The Minnesota Vikings cornerback job is completely up for grabs. Wide open competition, which of course raises the question, who's going to win? Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three, you liked it! You are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is Amazon Fire or Roku. You can uh, just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app on those or a regular podcasting platform like SiriusXM's podcast app. You can find us there or even on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Today on the show, it's really, it's it's about the cornerback room, but in particular, it's about a Caleb Evans versus Andrew Booth, which is really where it seems like this competition is going down. I, I want to try to answer the question, who's going to win that competition? And of course, all of that is subject to change as I see how these guys have progressed in camp. All we can go off of is, you know, what they did last year. And with any uh, with any luck, with any optimism, they've gotten better since last year in, in ways that I don't know. Uh, so, you know, good luck to that. But just parsing out the cornerback room as it stands right now. Byron Murphy is, of course, going to have one of the starting cornerback jobs that's pretty much locked in, or as locked in as, as it can ever get. Um, and then you have this very interesting group of kind of maybes. Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, Andrew Booth, Joan Williams, and then all these other kind of long shots, John Reed, Kalen Barnes, Tay Gowan, undrafted free agents, that kind of stuff. Um but really, the, the group of six right now, I think as it stands, is Blackman, uh, Byron Murphy, a Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth, Joan Williams, maybe count Jay Ward if you want to count Jay Ward as the sixth. And then the rest of these guys are trying to knock one of them out of the roster, and that's going to be kind of the drama of camp for them. Um, and so kind of figuring, okay, who's going to play, right? And it, so they'll all play in some capacity, right? Jay Ward will play a little nickel. Uh, so will Makai Blackman. He's getting a lot of work at nickel. Those guys will probably both play a little bit and it'll come down to snap shares and stuff. And, you know, Byron Murphy, he'll probably play every rep. So it's sort of, everybody's really easy to figure out. I mean, Makai Blackman is a total unknown just as a rookie kind of always, uh, and as is Jay Ward, um, and, and what they'll do and when they'll do it. And with, with Brian Flores's defense in particular, these guys might be on the field next to each other. Sometimes, uh, they might rotate, they might have different roles and different coverages that they're a part of, or different packages that they're a part of, or they might go drive by drive or whatever. Um, Brian Flores is definitely known for not having your classic. Okay. This is CB one, CB two, CB three. This is safety one, safety two, safety three. Everybody gets in sometimes. And it's a matter of, you know, snap shares, I guess, if you wanted to do that. But even that would be reductive because it's more about roles and who does what think jobs, right? But in terms of your day one base defense, neutral situation, everything, all other factors the same, who do we want out there? You've got Byron Murphy on the outside. You have, it seems like Makai Blackman on the inside, maybe Jay Ward, maybe a safety, but that nickel spot doesn't have a lot to do with Andrew Booth or Caleb Evans. I wouldn't guess based on reports that we got out of like OTAs. Um, 
But then you've got Booth versus Evans. And really, it seems like those two guys are pitted directly against each other in terms of competition. Uh, they will, you know, when one gets a snap, it's directly taking a snap from the other one. And how often that happens and in one direction, that's what camp is for figuring out. So what is the play? Like, what should happen? Like, what will happen? What should happen, right? Um, again, all we know is, I'll call it pole position. This is where these guys were coming out of last year. And if one of them made huge strides, then great, but it will kind of require huge strides, right? Um, and that's the nature of the position. So to start this out, I, I want to catch you up with, catch up with a Caleb Evans kind of already did this with Andrew Booth. There was an, an episode, I think it was last week, uh, or maybe the week before about, you know, why hasn't Andrew Booth played more? And I went a little bit into some of what I think is really, um, holding him back and how overreactive he is and some of the, the habits that he has, uh, so let's do the same thing with a Caleb Evans, which is kind of the other question. Like, how did he usurp a second round pick when he's a fourth round pick rookie year, right? This was day one. I mean, this was this way by week two of training camp. This happened pretty fast, if you remember. So how did that happen, right? Um, and I think the big thing with Evans is that he is assignment sound. That's a pretty easy way to win a competition is to be assignment sound and have the other guy not be assignment sound. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you have a coverage that's outside, man outside and deep, say you're in quarters and you've got an outside responsibility, you'll be outside aligned, you'll play that correctly, you'll do every, you know, you, you'll, you'll be situationally aware, you'll, you'll do all the things that you should probably take for granted uh, and understand where you need to be um, in, a, in a given coverage, in a given situation, right? We should take that for granted, and if one guy can't take that for granted, then that's going to be a really big damper on him, and that that is a huge problem with Andrew Booth in the time that he got, uh, limited time that he got in 2022, especially Bills Cowboys. Um, for Evans, I think what is holding him back from being like a true good starter is breakdowns when he's backpedaling, or especially when he's all, like opened the gate all the way up, and when he's turned and run. And then it's like a curl or a comeback and he has to stop. It's really short, choppy, lots of extra steps. And you want that to be a little bit smoother. Um, you want him to be able to sink his hips, get his hips turned around. And there is a, a stiffness to it that, you know, especially because I'm comparing it to Andrew Booth, who is very, very, very smooth hipped. Um, there's a stiffness to it that makes that very difficult, right? And, and who knows if that'll ever be something that he'll be able to develop. That's sort of an innate athleticism thing. It's a lot harder to teach than this is where you need to be on cover three. Um, if you remember, I wanted to like circle back in college, he had really bad grabbies. He was really, uh, really, really, really bad about throwing his hands out and grabbing people way better now after just one year. Um, you can tell that that was an emphasis and it's not uncommon for guys to struggle with that in college. And then in the pros say, Hey, they call this different. You got to get better. And they can just kind of like work with that. Um, so that's nice, right? The grabbies are, but they're still not perfect, but I'm not like any more concerned about holding penalties with him, uh, as I am about any corner. Um, he's also not a panicker. I guess is the way that I would put it. And by the way, I have a Patreon video coming out comparing these two in all of these senses, like directly uh, and making all these points with film and stuff. So if you're a visual learner and you want to see it, you can check that out as well. Patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL. Um, but what I mean by not a panicker, look at corner, 
there's a lot of guesswork in corner. You got to kind of try to anticipate what the route is, right? And you just will be wrong. Best corners in the world are wrong all the time. Um, it's just kind of innate to the position is being wrong about guessing wrong. And when you guess wrong, you're out of phase. Or if you're out of phase for whatever reason, sometimes you're out of phase because you're in a particular coverage that puts you in a bad position for this. Sometimes you're out of phase because you did just legit make a mistake, get beat. Um, do you panic? Do you freak out? Go grab, tug, get really physical, do make some mistake? Um, do you lose your brain? Or can you still find a way to make that play out of phase. Making plays out of phase is really hard and the best corners can make plays out of phase because you're never going to go through a game or a season and not be out of phase. Sometimes you got to be able to live in that world and turn L's into W's. And there are a couple plays of uh, nice examples of that where he is out of phase, but he manages to get in there, you know, get his hand up with the right timing, get his head turned around when he has to, if he's going to make contact so that he doesn't get the flag, that kind of thing. And, and like avoiding flags in general, he got pretty good at that. I thought, um, and, and made, some of those plays well uh, also. I think he could read things a, a scotch faster, but that's very, very nitpicky. Um, and he's very good in run support for what whatever that's worth to you as the force, as the outside guy flying down, making the tackle. That's really great. I think tackling form is one where I'll probably divorce myself from the group from from the the herd and say that I really don't like it and I actually kind of think that with the concussion history that he had and really for both of these guys Booth and Evans who stays healthy is probably going to be the answer to this question of who gets more snaps um and for Evans it's about uh, protecting your head and avoiding those more concussions he got I think what three concussions two but one was really bad I, I forget how, how broken up it was but i mean he lost his the back half of his whole season to concussions really really bad stuff and if you see the plays that it looks like those happened on a lot of it is him lowering the crown of his helmet into a tackle uh otherwise he breaks down well he goes for the, the hip or he goes for that kind of shoulder bump when he has to and it's um pretty well rehearsed technique but when he lowers his head that's going to get your neck hurt and that's going to get your head blown up and that's going to get you concussions. So I think that is definitely, there's a there's a protect yourself element to this. We're also going to do a Caleb Evans' version uh, uh, entry into the Everyman series, as well as compare Evans and Booth a little bit more directly, which is what we're going to do right after I talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, which is America's number one sports book. It is FanDuel. At FanDuel, you can get a no-sweat first bet. That means you can get uh, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If you whiff on your first bet, if you go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. So go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up there, and then whatever you put in for your first bet, you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you whiff it. You basically have a, a free $1,000 bet, uh, and you can get those bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win and that bet can be on whatever it can be on uh will so-and-so score a home run for the twins it can be on a um you can you can gramble at FanDuel on vikings futures over under eight and a half wins do you think they'll have a winning season or not you can bet on that you can bet on player props um division odds all kinds of stuff there as well as uh you know next team odds or whatever for nba or nhl free agency you're interested in in pursuing all kinds of stuff and it's not just limited to those major men's sports you can bet on things like the uh wnba usfl championship coming up as well as more obscure things like tennis or uh ultimate frisbee or i don't know whatever they've got on their horse racing stuff like that so you can go gramble on all that stuff at fan duel make every moment more 
Big thank you to those of you who listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers sound off if you can. I love how much I have been hearing from you guys lately. Uh, cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Let's sort of mash this stuff together with uh, Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth. And here's the take, all right? I'm not going to beat around the bush. As it stands right now, with what I know, which is what I saw in 2022, Caleb Evans is a couple of lengths better than Andrew Booth. He's just a better corner right now. And it's on Andrew Booth to, to overturn that, to prove me wrong on that. And that's why he's taking reps with the twos, Caleb Evans is taking reps with the ones, and the status quo is on him to upend. The status quo being the second-round pick, that's gone. Caleb Evans is now the starter, at, with Andrew Booth needing to be the guy, is, is now the challenger, right? Caleb Evans is king of the hill right now. Um, that may be very disappointing to you if you are really excited about him as a second-round pick, getting usurped by a fourth-round pick or whatever, but it's sort of this zero-sum thing. You can be really glass-half-full or glass-half-empty about that because you could also say, hey, a fourth-round pick, it's going to be a starter to year two. That's, like, pretty good. Um, either way, it's still very much an open competition, but we've got sort of a pole position and a status quo. So, okay, why is Caleb Evans better than Andrew Booth? And I've got a few reasons here. Um... One, Evans is assignment sound. There's a, a rep in the uh, in the Patreon video I'll talk to you about, but you probably remember it. It's from the Bills game. Uh, Gabe Davis, I think it was, catches a pass on the sideline. It's like 24 seconds left in regulation, and he didn't catch it. He kind of dropped it, but they didn't review it for whatever reason. You might be mad about that. Well, on that rep, you get to see kind of exactly the problem with Andrew Booth. He's playing, I'll call it a cover three. It might be really bad quarters. <laughs> It's kind of hard to tell. Either way, he has an outside responsibility, but he aligns to the inside. So any outbreaking route, he's going to be chasing from behind, and he drifts to the inside when he flips his hips just through like kind of shoddy footwork. So he essentially gets himself out of position where all he can defend is stuff that isn't his job. When you are when you have an outside responsibility, whether it's a cover three or a quarters uh, coverage. Either way, you have the sideline. So you have to prioritize the sideline. Anything that goes to the inside is either going to be picked up by the linebacker if it's short or the safety if it's long. Um, whether it's a middle safety or like another quarter safety with you is kind of the, the difference there. But it doesn't, it's no skin off your back. It's, it's a very similar uh, job. And he ends up, you know, being caught to the inside and then giving up to the outside, the only place where he actually needs to be. And it's a really, really bad rep for that reason. It kind of betrays this lack of awareness of what my coverage is, where my help is, what the situation is. It's 24 seconds left in the game. Ball is on the the Bills 40, right? You're not even over midfield. And they didn't have any timeouts. So they can really catch something that you could get killed to the inside. And they could catch one, you know, 30 yards down the field. They'd have to get up, spike it. They'd probably be kicking like a crazy long field goal with eight seconds to go catch it on the sideline and they have a chance. So that's all you had to do. And he, and he didn't align properly. I think he even aligned a little inside if I remember. And he just sort of like, that's the kind of, that's not assignment sound play. That's not understanding what your assignment is in cover four or, or cover three, which is what I think it is. And the nature of that assignment and what kind of world is going to give you this or that. Right. So that needs to get better. And that's going to be major, a major thing I'm watching at camp because that is something that can be learned and can get better. If he comes to camp and he is, you know, playing his outside responsibilities with outside leverage and he's sort of using his leverage as a tool and a weapon rather than just kind of saying, well, it's second and short, I'll go inside. 
um, and, and really using it, understanding and having like intentionality behind those alignments. If I see that in the preseason, then we can start to say, oh, he's developing. That's going to be a huge thing for me to uh, to watch for. There's also something both these guys struggle with, struggle with, but Booth, I think, struggles with it more, which is overreacting versus underreacting. Um, I firmly believe that corners should err on the side of underreacting to a stimulus, especially when it's something that doesn't take the route like outside of the frame of your shoulders. If if the wide receiver is just giving you a head fake or just giving you a little shimmy, a little bit of wiggle, something on you know, putting a little sauce on the on the route, then you don't necessarily need to react to that. They can't get away from you until they're away from you. And to a point, even if you wait till they're away from you, then react, you're going to lose that rep by less than if you react to the wrong thing and step yourself out of position and then get torched. Um, so underreacting is always going to be better than overreacting. I think both these guys overreact more than they should. And I think more conservatism from them would be a good thing in, in that way. But Andrew Booth has it worse. He will bite on everything. He'll react like 100% to every stimulus. And when it's not a trick, that means he can actually make some cool plays. But we don't really see that a lot in the NFL because it's very rare that you see guys be that straight up. Um, and then as much as I talked about Caleb Evans not being a panicker, there's some panic in Andrew Booth. And I think that's just, you got to get more comfortable with the game. And to get more comfortable with the game, you got to get reps. You got to stay healthy through those reps. And you have to kind of get used to the rhythm of things, uh, which it's it's hard to get that, especially if you don't win a job. But that's something that hopefully can come with time if he gets a lot of play. Um, but I will say again, the, the difference here, and all of this will be rendered moot by it, which isn't necessarily fair, but it's the way it is, is whoever stays healthy is going to be the one who wins this job. Um, not just through preseason, but through the season as well. If Caleb Evans wins the job, but he gets a concussion and he's out and then Andrew Booth gets the job and then he gets hurt and then Caleb Evans comes back, like that's going to be what decides this, not necessarily merit because both these guys have pretty severe health concerns. Um, Andrew Booth, you know, we talked about when he did his story time uh, a week or two ago with a Caleb Evans, it's concussions. And that's why I think that tackling form thing is really important to, to keep your eyes up, see what you hit. That's a really big thing that he has failed to do a couple times and it, it ends up in concussions. And sometimes it, it isn't his fault at all, right? Like concussions don't have to be something that you necessarily have control over. Football is a physical game. You get your, your head hit sometimes and maybe, you know, that gets you woozy and out of it and you're, you're in the concussion protocol. Um, but there are definitely ways for defenders to protect themselves. And if I were in a Caleb Evans's camp, I would probably emphasize that because ultimately it's both good for the team, good for your career, but good for you as a person if you're able to protect yourself. And a Caleb Evans, the person, is definitely one worth preserving. Next up, uh, welcome to Tonal Whiplash, the podcast, uh, is going to be the Everyman series entry for a Caleb Evans. For this next part, um, I'm going to talk a lot about the concept in the word privilege. Privilege is a very loaded word nowadays and one that carries a whole bunch of connotations. You probably have a, a, a different meaning in your head of that word than, than the way I'm going to use it today. So try to keep that separate and just come along on a ride with me. Um, but, but privilege can refer to anything. It can refer to the kind of classic, very politicized version of the word, but it can also refer to just things that you have that not everybody has growing up, like parents who are there or parents who are together or living in a neighborhood that is okay versus a neighborhood that isn't, um, you know, are you suburban or rural? Those can have 
both have certain privileges that the other doesn't. And when you have those privileges growing up when you're a kid, you know, the world that you're in is the only world, right? And it's not necessarily that way anymore as as kids get more plugged in and online and get exposed to world news a little bit more and all that stuff. But still, to some degree, your town is your world when you're a kid. And it's this bubble that you grow up in, especially when there are certain privileges to. And that's not to say that a Caleb Evans didn't grow up with challenges just like any kid will have, especially when you grow up suburb of Dallas, McKinney, Texas as a black kid. Um, and that's not, you know, really what I'm talking about here, but it's still worth respecting. The point is, as a kid, you may take stuff for granted when you never really considered life without it. Cause why would you? You're 16. Um, and for a Caleb Evans who, who grows up McKinney, Texas, reasonable suburb, about 200,000 people, um, you know, watching Patrick Peterson on TV, big idol of his, which makes it really cute when he gets to the Vikings and he gets to actually learn directly from Patrick Peterson. Um, and his parents who are both fairly successful people really want to instill the idea of community into a Caleb Evans. And it's like this really important thing is give back to your community, you know, be, be active. The, the idea of service is something that is like high priority. Um, so they drive him and his sister to a place to go do like some volunteer hours. Um, that's about three miles away from his home where a lot of people don't have a lot of the stuff that he takes for granted. The specifics of this aren't really mentioned by any of the articles and they're not really important. The point is it, it's, it's the, the reason I set things up this way is it is this very formative experience for a Caleb Evans to see, Oh man, there are people right near me down a, a short bike ride away from my home, short jog on us or a, a, a decent jog. If you're in good shape away from my home, that live in entirely different conditions than what I know. Um, it totally changed his outlook and he was very, in a way, inspired to do something. And so at 17 years old, I'm going to venture a guess that he is the youngest uh, football player to ever start his own charity. He starts the Caleb Evans Foundation with the help of his mom. Um, and that it started as like a, a small, like whatever a 17 year old can do. Right. But at, over time. And now if you look at the Caleb Evans foundation, it is this large sprawling thing. It's this incredible organization that has done all kinds of awesome work. Uh, but it started out of this really idealistic sense of wanting to make your world better, make the community better in a way that I think only a very young person can do. And it's why I say young person. I'm 31. I'm sure some of you look at me and think of a, long, of a very young person. Um, but, you know, the kind of person that I would call a young person. And in that world, that kind of college age and, and younger, there is this idealism that I personally find very inspiring. Um, that, in <laughs> look, you work a couple bad jobs, you get a little jaded, you get to your 30s and sudden or even your late 20s and suddenly you know you go i don't know i just kind of want to get through the day all this idealistic let's change the world and all be together stuff is for the young people right um but it's always there and for as much horribleness as some as, as the rest of us can see in the world somebody who can see the potential for it being good is very uh inspiring to me 
Um, it also meshed really, really well with his DB coach at Tulsa, a guy by the name of Aaron Fletcher uh, and Allie Green the fourth, who is also a teammate there at Tulsa as he plays uh, defensive back there. And they really mesh together. Aaron Fletcher is a very interesting figure, very, very important figure to a Caleb Evans, somebody you got to get to know. And he believes in the idea of community as well. Um, and it, not only the idea of service, but in the idea of building community. I mean, he's been around a lot of places and coached a lot of places. Um, and he really wanted to set up roots in those places, get involved with those communities, get to know parents, siblings, you know, be more than just an instructor of football, but, you know, truly be a part of these kids' lives um, as a college coach and, you know, be the kind of person that, you know, you establish lifelong relationships, coach and player. Um, certainly not the only person to to do that, but somebody who really emphatically believes it. His uh, major project, or major project of his at Tulsa is the Black Wall Street game, which is now the second game, or I think second home game of every Tulsa season, which is in uh, memory of the Greenwood district of Tulsa, which was colloquially known as Black Wall Street, a very affluent, primary, primarily black, there's like oil money in it, uh, area of Tulsa that was burned down in a race massacre. You can Google the thing. Um, but as sort of a way of raising awareness for that, making that community of Tulsa better, that sort of let's make the world a little better however we can via sport thing really draws him close to all of his players, but in particular, a Caleb Evans and, and Allie Green. And so when Aaron Fletcher leaves Tulsa, goes and gets a job at Mizzou, a Caleb Evans and Allie Green join the transfer portal. And they get a lot of offers. You know, they're sort of, if you read the articles from the time, like it doesn't seem like a Caleb Evans is really much of a, much of a thing at all. He's very uh, under the radar, I would guess, as a transfer portal guy, but not to colleges. Colleges want him a lot. It's just totally unnoticed by the media. Some, I don't know, some DB from Tulsa. Um, and, but he doesn't think about anything but going with Aaron Fletcher and going to Mizzou, and he has his uh, year there, becomes a Viking, the rest kind of history. He's becomes a fan favorite. Again, it's, it's tougher in the pros to build that sense of community because you know, Minnesota's a state, <laughs> not, you know, the, the colleges are a campus and uh, the surrounding kind of few blocks of college town, possibly if you go to a big enough school, Minnesota's a little bit bigger, but, you know, and, and Vikings fans are a bigger group than you'll see of, you know, Mizzou fans or, or, or Tulsa fans. But you can still see that desire to build community, um, in the way that he interacts with fans online and the way that he interacts with fans in person and, and some of the things that he does with his foundation. Um, that is, is clearly a value that is very, very important to uh, Caleb Evans. And now as somebody that we can kind of pencil in until proven otherwise the starting corner and with good reason, like something would have to be different about what we know about the other guys for that status quo to be upset certainly not impossible, but requires proactive action. That exposure in that platform is only going to get bigger. And I, for one, I'm excited to see what the kid can do with it. Um, there are definitely a lot of people on the Vikings that inspire me. Caleb Evans is one of them. 
Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so send me your questions. Um, I will be out of town next week, so I'm actually going to collect double questions. So send me lots of questions. Send me two questions. Send me other questions. Like, send me more than one question. I'll, I'll put them in the future mailbag and stuff. Send me whatever you got. Uh, you can send it to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a YouTube comment. There's a Google form in the show notes if you have something longer. Or you can always send it to me on Twitter at Luke Brown NFL or at LockdownVikings. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow with whatever of those questions I want to answer. And as always, skull.